episode of the Buffalonian podcast is brought to you by the Cast Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built with and for entrepreneurs. Cover many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. Feature the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Savers of the Metaverse, and The Athletic Mindset. Learn more at castsource.com slash podcast. Without further ado, let's get into the Buffalonian podcast. Buffalo Bills have already fired their safety coach. And the Buffalo Sabres have made quite a run this past week. It is a great week to be a Sabres fan. Along with the Would You Rather, Hot Takes, Trivia, and more, this is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. Dom, can I just say that was impeccable timing? It, I was, was. So, I couldn't tell if I like joined. I couldn't tell like if I joined like, and you guys. I don't know. I was like, I saw the thing. I was like, I wonder if it's frills, and then started playing. I was like, oh man. Yeah, uh, talk about the impeccable timing. No other word to describe that. I mean that. Couldn't be better. Dom had a family dinner, got here in time. Look at that to kick it off. So, uh, yeah, we're back. And after a somber episode on Monday, we're going to we're gonna run into the Bills a little bit. But before we do, before we do, I kind of wanted to to play this clip. Dom, I told Mike what it was about. Um, this is going to oh, be man, your, I'm going in blind. I'm excited. You're, you're going in blind. It's a Nick Wright clip, you know, so we're going oh, to see what happens. All right. So we'll be back in about a minute. But I just wanted to start off the Bills talk by throwing this up there. So, you know, we'll go from there. Them because those elements are so rare for Buffalo, New York, for a team that looked like it could not play in them. However, this is a tough day for a team that has been to four Super Bowls, one zero in this regime that has done nothing other than once get blown out in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So in honor of those four Super Bowl appearances, Let's hang what could be their four Super Bowl banners. Drop the first banner, if you would, please. They deserve it. Guys, the 2022 preseason favorites, they can never take that from you, Buffalo. Drop the next banner, if you would, please. Let me see this one. Oh, Oh, it's got to come down. (laughs) Hey, you briefly, allegedly, temporarily had QB1 in the league. Now, at best, it's QB3 in his own conference, but that's neither here nor there. Now, the most important banner for him, because this one mattered a lot when it happened. Weapons coming out of there, man. Buffalo Bills, you beat the Chiefs in October. And now the last one, and the most impressive one. Back-to-back AFC semifinals. That actually doesn't look bad. They're back back. Coming back, coming back from that right there, that was, uh, I don't know. It's just the media turned. And I granted, Nick Wright never really has been on the Bills hype train and whatnot, but a lot of the uh, the national media has turned on what, you know, the Bills were and whatnot. But just seeing that, that came out literally the day after the game occurred and whatnot. So that was salt in the wound right there. I, you I know? mean, but though, honestly, like, 
I mean, I'm it's not 100 wrong. Like, I don't like Nick Ray at, really at all. I mean, some of the stuff non Bills is all right, but I, I think it's hard to say that he's he pointed out any like flaws or like right. I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to be like, no. Nah, I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, like in in the NBA, I guess for a comparison, like Memphis used to be like an up and coming team that everyone loved, and now that they like got to like a conference semifinals, barely lost to Golden State, and then they like talk all their smack and stuff. Now it feels like everyone, including like the national fans, kind of turned on them. I feel mm-hmm. like the Bills are kind of in the same aspect of they were for this three year stretch been very good. I mean, they've won a lot of football games. I think like 37 or something is the total. But right at the end of the day, like your resume is your resume. And they've only been to one conference championship game, which they got smoked in. I mean, they also went to the divisional round last year and lost like maybe the game of the century so far mm-hmm. in, in the two th- but at the end of the day like you kind of are what you are and i think it's hard for a bills fan but i do think like the national media when they get bored of a team per se they start to turn on them it's kind of like the packers you know they were really good i mean you see the packers like they kind of like made a couple nfc championship games but they could never get over the hump and now you see it like this year specifically, like if all the Rogers stuff finally catch up to them, like everyone took their shots at them. You know, I wonder if that's. And I'm not saying the Bills are gonna go eight and nine next year, but like <laughs> I do wonder if we somehow see maybe like a ten seven but wild card team. I wonder like I think everyone's gonna really turn on them. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. I being a you know a Bills fan, it's tough to watch a video like that where you're getting you know slandered and whatnot. But you're absolutely right in the sense where it wasn't like he was pulling stuff out of nowhere like that. Those are real things that happened. And really the only things that happened this season. I mean, we were preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl. Um, going into the bye week, Josh Allen was quarterback one in the, the NFL, roughly, you know what I mean? Like the guy was on fire. Um, you know, we beat, we did beat the chiefs in October. That was a good one. And, uh, you know, from whatever they said back, we lost the divisional round twice. So, I mean, there's nothing really on there. It's not, I think it's just, he, the Josh Allen hate train, I think, more or less. Not the Josh Allen, but the Bills, but and whatnot. I don't know, Mike. What do you What do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all it's all true, like what he said. But like, obviously, <laughs> he hates the Bills, and like, he's gonna you know rub it in our faces and make a spectacle out of it. And plus, they're in the media, so they gotta make it interesting. I mean, look at what Stephen A. did to Michael Irvin. He was like screaming in his face when the first take turned on, and it's like they're gonna do whatever they can do to get people to watch it because well as much as we hate to hear it we just watched it we gave him attention we gave him right yeah the attention he wants so that's really <laughs> at the end of the day what they're trying to do like they'll say anything they they can in order to get views and all that stuff yeah i mean just let's let's move away from that all right let's move away from someone else i will say this though what, what, what i will say this though okay you know him being a cheese fan He's starting to become a little bit of like that those 08 Celtics teams that the, that they won one ring and they talk a lot about like winning one championship. Like if somehow Cincinnati knocks off Kansas City, like congratulations yeah. for making five straight AFC championship games. Or is it five series? Yeah, it's five straight. Five. It'll be five straight. Yeah, but then you have a losing record in those games and you've gotten the two Super Bowls get destroyed in one and one other one against GBG. Like I'm not trying to downgrade the Chiefs or anything, <laughs> but at the same time, like no, we, same, we can the do the same thing. I'm just saying, like, if the Chiefs, like, all the pressure's on the Chiefs, but they fail again, it's like, you guys are really going to be, like, that team that went, has one ring and really talks like there's some dynasty when, I mean, you're just not. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could be a dominant team in the regular season, but the postseason is a whole different ball game. But I think we're learning that as a Bills. As, <laughs> a little yeah. A little, little bit as Bills fans. Yeah, quite a bit as Bills fans, let's just say, especially since the, the McDermott, McBean regime has rolled in, you know. But let's move away from, like I said, someone else's thoughts. And let's, like, we've had, we, we filmed the final betting on the Bills episode of the season a couple days ago, right? Right. That was fresh, fresh in our minds a day after we filmed and you know emotions were high at the time i think i think they've settled a little bit here not not 100 but they've settled what are, i mean what are th- what are some thoughts now clearer thoughts you have coming out of coming out of the emotional heartache and whatnot i mean i don't know i kind of still feel the same <laughs> as in we played bad we yeah. honestly deserve to lose that game because they just outplayed us from the opening kickoff um you know, I think just it really opened our eyes that now, you know, I saw a thing that like Jordan Poyer, his Twitter thing was uh, like the 98 Bulls. So now yeah. that gets you speculating. Is he thinking, was that our last dance or is he going to try and do one more, one more year? Get Micah back healthy, get Vaughn back healthy. He'll be back something. on a franchise tag or something. I know maybe him, maybe them firing the safeties coach got him all, all excited. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And there yeah. since the start of McDermott, but, uh, no, I mean, I think just we got outplayed and it showed that um, we've been talking about it since our first show, I think, that these are our flaws and they did not uh, do anything to really improve the flaws. And that's where we got exploited. Our offensive line was weak all year for the past few years now. It really has been a weak spot. Didn't mm-hmm. do anything to improve it. And, well, we just got manhandled. Our defensive line, like – we get all these top prospects, well, top prospects, our top picks or all these defensive ends. And we expect, yeah. you know, Von Miller to come in. It, it definitely would have been a different game with Von Miller, no doubt about it. But, you know, Greg Rousseau, he needs to step up. Ed Oliver needs to step up. And they didn't do anything. No. And then, you know, just the offense in general was just Josh Allen. That was it. It was like all the weight was put on him. And you can't do that. Like, I know he's in the prime of his career. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best athletes in the league, but that doesn't mean he can do everything. Like you need people to help him. Yeah. I mean, when he's bleeding through his sleeves about four weeks in a row now, I mean, that kind of is evident what, where the problems are. You know what I mean? He's getting a lot of that Dolphins game. He was sacked seven times. Like, like that's, that's absolutely unreal. The fact that, and Dawkins got bullied under under pressure nearly 50% of the time. Exactly. So, I mean, you can only expect so much from his athleticism, but um, as we said on Monday, he covers a lot of the flaws up. And with when they neutralized him, you know, like the flaws are right there. We saw, I mean, it's it's just interesting. I've seen a couple people talking about the fact if you stuck him in Kyle Orton's position all those years ago, would we be in the same position of just making it to the playoffs every year and not making it all the way and if that kind of if you put an average qb instead of josh no if you put josh on that like the team in 2014 when orton was on it like when ej they you know what i mean you you know what i'm talking about yeah. better now well our team all around is better now i would say but still like josh carries quite a bit necessarily like that's kind oh, of yeah. obviously, obviously upgrading from orton who's an average quarterback to an elite right. quarterback would franchise quarterback would would make quite the jump but I think, like, for me since Monday, I don't think a lot's changed on, like, personnel-wise what I feel like they should do. Like, I think mm-hmm. Mike alluded to, like, the offensive line, defensive line. Like, it feels like they did a lot – in certain positions, they did a lot of tape. And yeah. now it's time for them to invest in, like, 
like cement or I don't know whatever. Yeah, no, like, they put a bandaid on a bullet wound. I mean, that's pretty much. Yeah, it's time do. for them to go into surgery and kind of like take out all the junk. Like it's time for them to do some kind of stuff. But for me, I think I'm like slightly more concerned than I was Monday from the fact of I feel like we're not going to get any major changes. It seems like, and I think that's a mistake. Um, because like I I've been a Leslie Fraser supporter for a very long time. I but. Like reading the stat, like the three losses that they've had the last three years, they've given up nearly 460 yards, 30 plus points. Like, and then you really, I mean, if you really look at it from like a whole playoff perspective of like, okay, Jacksonville, they gave up 10 points, they lost, but that was a good defensive performance. Houston, really good first half, shut them out. Second half, they just completely fell apart defensively. In 20, they didn't play that well against the Colts. They kind of got, I mean, I don't want to say lucky because. It's the NFL, but they probably really didn't even deserve to win that game. Baltimore is like the one like crown jewel of the of his playoff calling. You know, the one that we all thought was going to give him a job because like Lamar played. I mean, I think they were comparing like Dak Prescott's uh, performance against the Niners compared to other quarterbacks, uh, like in terms of like expected points added or whatever. And like at the bottom of the list is Lamar against the Bills that year. And I was like, well, I didn't, I mean, I remember them dominating that, but. That was his best. And then the, the, the two Chiefs games, they got drilled. The Patriots game, I mean, like, the Patriots are a running team. So when your offense scores touchdown to touchdown, like, your defense naturally, like, can play to their weakness. So I don't know how much credit he should get for that. And then, I mean, the Dolphins game, I'll say, was good. But from a perspective of you're playing against not great opponent, like, great talent. And then, I mean, Sunday was a pretty poor day, like. I just feel like yeah. they didn't – I feel like a way to help out your pass rush would be to like play some press man, and they just decided they weren't wanting to get beat deep. But, like, you're playing in, like, really bad weather. I mean, not great weather to throw the ball deep. Like, I feel like – I don't know. It, it's one of those situations where, like, also you look at – they gave up seven first drive touchdowns or opening drive touchdowns from the offense. Like, yeah, I, you know, they were one of the best teams at adjusting, but – Obviously, they didn't adjust against the Bengals, but if how is your defense so easily like scripted against? You know how how could every week someone right. comes in with 15, 20 plays, and the, if if they know if they execute their 15, 20 plays, they're going to easily get seven points on you. Like that that to me is is a concern. No, I would I would one hundred percent agree with that, and I think, you know, we've seen it this year. We saw it last year in those. You know, let's look at the Colts game from last season, right? where they absolutely murked us at home. Like there was no question. They knew coming in there about our run defense, right? Which granted this year was better, not in last Sunday's game, right? Joe Mixon went crazy on us. But I mean, you're absolutely right in the fact that there clearly is a game plan most of the time with 15 plays for these other teams. And you see it where Dorsey, I mean, let's just talk offensively. You know, it's four verticals pretty much on third and four. Like that. Like that's, that's I, I saw a tweet yesterday Ken Dorsey's Twitter bio, my playbook's written in yellow crayon because it shines so bright, like all this stuff. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was something along those lines about, and then it showed Madden just four verticals, only page in the playbook. So I think offensively and defensively, but then again, Frazier's had a lot of time, right? He's had success with the Bills, but we've seen two years in a row now in the divisional round, right? Where you, you got to adapt. You, you can't just hang on to, nickel zone the whole time when it's clearly not working you know what i mean like 
we saw him do it in the Chiefs game this year. He had half the field in zone, half the field in man, like confusing Mahomes. Where where was that in any of these games? You know, you're I, I don't know. But Frazier's definitely for me should be on the hot seat. But like Dom said, it my confidence is going down that any change is actually going to be made. Well, um, like my frustration part of that too was that like the deep. I just feel like in these big games they constantly coach really scared. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like like they blitz Burrow a lot, which wasn't a great strategy. But like we saw it with the 13 seconds. Like they Tyreek Hill scored that touchdown. And I, anyone could tell you probably. I mean, you're not in there, but 13 seconds, like, they were afraid that they're, somehow Tyreek Hill was going to get loose and they were going to lose the game on some play very similar to what happened 20 yards, and then all of a sudden he burnt one false step and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And, and it ended up costing them a chance to the AFC Championship game. And, like, it, it, it's frustrating from that perspective of a defense that I think all of us love, like, the bend-but-don't-break model against, you know, the the... the I don't know the Texans or like the the bad teams that you know can't do that. Like you know, like some like there's some bad offenses when you play them that you know they're going to eventually shoot themselves in the foot. But when you play an elite offense and you're giving them six yards, if, as much as I love Taron Johnson, like as him playing your third linebacker, you know, like if you run the ball at him, he's all, he's good run defense for a DV, but he's 190 pounds. Like that's what the Bengals yeah. were doing, and they. So I I think that's the frustration of like this wasn't never a great tackling team, and I yeah. feel like their game plan was we're gonna keep everything in front of us and tackle. But I I think the clip that's been sent around a lot uh, on Twitter of the third and four I think they're in the red zone and they have like a huge blitz and Trey's like six yards off the line of scrimmage or whatever it is, and they throw it to Chase two yard stop route and he runs for the first down and it's like mm-hmm. yeah the reason why that play doesn't work is because Trey's not one Trey's not a great tackler and this isn't a great tackling team. So like you put yourself in a disadvantage when you allow playmakers to easily get the balls in their hands and then it's one V one. And rarely if ever Jamar Chase is gonna get tackled by the first guy, especially four yards when he needs four yards for the first down. Right. And I, I mean Frazier for sure, right? Like we we've been talking about. I feel like Mc, McDermott's got a hand in this too, being defensively minded and you know what I mean? Like the way he likes to run his team, you know, the whole, I listen, we've trusted the process and the process has gotten us to multiple failures in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm all for trusting the process, but at the same time, look at all the seven other teams that played in the divisional round, offensive minded head coaches. Right. And I'm not saying fire McDermott. I'm not going to hop on that train, but I'm just saying like questions. If, if this next season doesn't really make any improvements, whatnot questions need to start being asked because Zach Taylor came in with a plan and knew exactly what to do to cut up this defense has, you know what I mean? The, the, the knowledge and talent on the offensive side to be able to do that, where I feel like we lost that a little bit with Dable, but Dorsey again is just kind of learning, but I I don't know. It's just, I feel like after, I don't want to say and manifest this happening, there is another bad year where we lose in the divisional round off of awful deep, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that, or even in the AFC championships, just get blown out. I think, the coaching head coach needs to be called into question uh, in some some aspect because it's been what six years now five years I'm trying to think yeah going on to year seven after going on to year seven so I mean it's just like I remember when we picked him up how good the team was starting to look up when we added digs 2020 bills makes me brings tears to my eyes how good that team looked you know what I mean and um I don't know I think we lost a step losing Dale but I hope that helps but I think we got to 
call it into question if it fall, fails another year. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I agree with there. Um, I think we've hit, you know, it seems like a lot of times when coaches get hired, you see like the incline and I'd say like 2020, 2021, we're at like that, that peak, mm-hmm. you know, I would say this year, like the second half and the playoffs, you can tell that maybe it starts to teeter. And I would say maybe 2023, you start to see a little bit of a decline, not saying like they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, but like, you know, maybe oh, yeah. they're like 11 and six or like 10 and seven, like you were saying earlier. Um, I think in order to prevent that, they need to make the changes now instead of keep going down. And then you're at like eight and nine, seven and 10, and then you really got to start over. So I'd say you got to right. readjust now while you still have, you know, you still have a Josh Allen, you still have a Diggs, you still have all these players that are good, but you're also losing a lot of players that are going to be good. So you can tell that it's the way down. It's just how do we, how do we prevent it being such a steep drop off? Like how do we get it so that maybe we can plateau a bit and head back up rather than just continuing going down? Right. I, I like listen. And any sports league, you have to be proactive. Like you have to make decisions before the decisions have to be made. And last year, everyone was going for Freezer's head. They scapegoated the special teams, you know, coach. They're like, it's his fault. I mean, basically scapegoated him. This year, like I, I, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit sick if like no one, if like no, all the top heads stay. Like mm-hmm. someone's got. I mean, someone's head's got to fall for this. Like you can't scapegoat another year because then. You know, they're scapegoating like, the safety coach. They fired him. They said it was his fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm saying like you can't scape because like next year if you fail again, like at this point, like I mean, like I, I just feel like that. It just you wasted a year of like if you look at why this team failed and like health is definitely a pro- part of it. I think everything that happened off the field is definitely part of it. So like yeah, I think in 23 if they have a more normal year, I think we'll be have a better grasp. But at the end of the day, they have so many assets on the defensive side of the ball. And for them to consistently fail in the postseason, it's nothing other than the scheme and the coaching. Like, that's what you had to point to. So you had to fix it. It's not like, oh, we had to add X player or Y player. Like, honest to God, like, their 22 defense player-wise is going to look very similar other than it might be minus Jordan Poyer and minus Schmanman, and they might have to find some replacement for those. Mm-hmm. The core is going to stay the same there. Like, you're going to have the same type of guys. It's now, like, the coaching, I think, has to fix. Like, for the offense, like, you know, as Joe alluded to, defensive coach, like it puts so much more pressure on your offensive corner to be very good because it's not like there's another person in the like the organization that has like the offensive wizardry. You know, it's not you know it's not like Eric Bannerman is a really good coordinator, but it's, uh, but he also has Andy Reid that he could fall back on. I'm not saying Sean McDermott doesn't know anything about offense, but he's a no, defensive right. coach. So like it's that's different where, than like, having Dable back there for sure. Yeah, so that's where like I think. I'm okay with Dorsey having a second year because I, I, I we saw some improvements. I know it wasn't good in the playoffs, but my opinion is the play calling is going to be improved on over this year. And I believe that a main problem with the offense, well, yes, the deep shots and all that, is that they have devoted those of the offensive assets. So I feel like if they spent the offseason of getting some assets there, like the core of Allen and Diggs are going to stay the same, but after that, it's kind of like, yeah, Dawkins, maybe Morris, but then like you probably have to add like another like obviously they paid Knox to be a core player, but and Davis is there too. But to me, they need to add another core piece where I think the defense kind of has its core intact. It's a coaching problem. Yeah. yeah. No, and then I know I brought this up like 
I don't know, a few weeks ago or whatever, that like with the injuries, you know, we didn't have really a slot game at all. And when we saw Allen was successful, it was because he was throwing to Beasley over the middle and he had that like safety blanket or, you know, like we didn't really shift anyone to be that slot guy. Like you would think maybe that they would adjust, get Knox involved. You give him all that money and he really didn't change his role at all. Um, we saw like how much they incorporated digs at the first half of the year. And then the second half, he kind of just became invisible. Like, you know, I think he was adjusting to try and fix you know, the flaws of their offense, but I don't think it worked. I think injuries was a big thing of why our offense was like struggling. I think if Jameson Crowder had a full year, he would have actually produced really well. I mean, yeah. we've seen when Dayball was here, we had John Brown and Cole Beasley, two guys who aren't the biggest names, but John Brown put up a thousand yards and Cole Beasley was arguably the best slot receiver in football. So, I mean, I think that was really noticeable, especially for Josh, because a lot of times he just tried to throw it deep or run. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of throwing it deep on third and short these past couple of weeks. I will say that Um, it's just, it's tough because you see, I don't know. I don't want to hang back on the table thing very much, but you see Daniel Jones, right? He threw five interceptions this year. Granted, you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, so you have a you've you've got better stuff there. But I mean, I, I feel I, like I'm gonna stop you right there. Josh Allen threw this like, I, what did he throw? Fourteen picks or fifteen picks this year? 15. 14. 14 yeah, this year. Fifteen last he year. 15, he threw fifteen last year. Yeah, and I know. He put, so like, I, I I can understand what you're saying. He, he was still a gunslinger of Dable. No, yeah, absolutely. Like Daniel I, I Jones, Daniel Jones, like I can understand what you're saying, like, oh, Daniel Jones had all these turnovers and now he only had five picks. But that's also like he had to baby down a bunch of stuff for Daniel Jones. Like mm-hmm. Josh could do any like he opened right. Yeah, I mean, like he had to he opened the playbook, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones closed it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I, I that's you. why I don't I always, I don't love that comparison, but it just this offense needs another dude. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they need another guy. Cause like if you saw I saw a chart on Twitter of like all like the expected points added to like receivers and Diggs was like number one like the entire league of seventy four and then like it's a, it's a massive drop off to Knox who's like twenty five, mm-hmm. like twenty five expected points. Yeah, I mean, Davis is right in the same area, and you can't tell me like those dudes shouldn't be like those dudes should be higher. And mm-hmm. a point like the point with those guys is that they just weren't used properly, like right. the, their roles were not they were underutilized. But it's also like. This is where, like, you have to either make – see, I like Clear Shakur, and I do feel like he needs to be more involved in the offense. But at the same time, I'm not – Clear Shakur is not stopping me from potentially getting an elite slot receiver. Yeah. Like, if the Raiders want to trade Hunter Renfro, if Jackson Smith Jibra, you know, the Ohio State wide receiver, who honestly people don't might not think he's going to go in the first round. I know Tom McShay is, like, completely bashing him over and over again. Uh, many people think he's like just gonna be a slot guy. Like, I mean, listen, I'll take him in the slot. I know he only run probably gonna run like a four six. I don't need a deep threat. I I need an elite route runner that can get open quick. Let Gabe Davis be the deep threat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. So, yeah, I, then the I definitely line's the offensive line, but yeah, no, that's its own other. That could have a whole its own podcast dedicated to itself on how to fix the offensive line. But I I I agree with you. We had Emmanuel Sanders last year, right? Who was not at the peak of his career necessarily, but I mean, he was still solid, you know, solid wide receiver two to Diggs number one. And Davis was that deep shot guy. You know what I mean? And he came in clutch when you needed him, and, you know, clutch Davis. And 
that was really it was a good you know there was a good environment there with those three guys and i think putting davis into the wide receiver too while you you know he definitely can do it it's just the inconsistency killed this year you know what i mean like his catching um and whatnot but i i don't know it'll be interesting to see what moves they make definitely need to see some offensive maybe some drafting offense like an offensive I, line I, I do wonder if like i do wonder if we hear that like gabe davis has ankle surgery i'm just speculating but like i just would like assume that like his ankle was up, like screwed up the entire season you know really I mean? well like i mean he, he missed that time in the beginning and then there was like videos like a month later of him like limping around in practice i'm not saying it could still maybe affect i'm not like it's not well, maybe excuse. he had an achilles issue or something we never nah. know <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I just think he had like probably an ankle, and it's hard to play wide receiver on a bum ankle. So I, I do wonder if maybe he gets like some I don't know. I think that would be kind of an interesting thing to look at if that mm-hmm. happens. But if he wasn't healthy all year, but yeah, I, I think they need to add another weapon, and then like they just need to put pour a bunch of resources in the offensive line. Truthfully. But then they also like as I said Monday, like this is what made me mad about the Brent Bean con- conference is that. For whatever reason, like, this team just doesn't, you know, as much as I love McBean, they really don't seem like they hold themselves a combo all the time. Yeah. It's like, all right, you trade Naheem Himes, and he goes, yeah, he wasn't really using the offense. Like, as, 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 like are you guys that disconnected that you traded Zach Moss, who I know is not good, but you traded a six-round pick that, you know, you show that you could draft late in the draft. Like, you trade that for a special teamer eventually, like, because he wasn't you. Just, like, I don't understand how that happens. And then... My comment about, like, I don't want to suck bad enough to get a Jamar Chase. Like, I could agree with that. But at the same time, like, we don't need a Jamar Chase. And there's right. plenty of dudes that are available, that will be available at 27 that could be, like, a T. Higgins that Cincinnati has. But, like, we've also heard a team that's passed on A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf for Cody Ford. So it's not like there aren't dudes available, like, that the Bills just haven't drafted. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's just... It's tough because, you know, the city, everything that has happened, you know, this this year. But I, I saw a TikTok today going through the Bills' records over the past since two thousand. Like, you know, it's just like it's a it's about it's about time at this point. Like, we got we got to make something happen, you know. Especially Josh Allen is getting older. He's twenty six years old. You know what I mean? He's not. I, granted, granted, that's not old, but at the same time, you're not looking at, you know. A, a straight up draft pick anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It'll, it's, 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 it's tough. That's, that's truly it. It's just tough after losing the game like that, where we were just out coach, outperformed in every, every aspect pretty much. But uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what, anything else you want to talk about, Bill? I'm getting back into the emotional, uh, the, the discourse here. You know what I mean? But, I think it'll be very interesting this offseason to follow the other teams in the AFC East and see what they do. Because well, there's I, already rumors of Brady and uh, Rogers coming, Dolphins and, and I, Jets. I just think there's part of me, part of me believes that the rest of the AFC East smells blood in the water. So, mm-hmm. especially the Dolphins. Well, you know, they they live in the water, so. I mean, the the Jets just got Hackett, so yeah. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if. Lamar gets moved. Where does he get moved? If Rodgers gets like, I think we have to put, start paying attention to that stuff because I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there is going to be an arms race starting the AFC East. And listen, the Bills don't have a lot, lot. You know, they don't have a lot 
of high value picks. You know, they have obviously their picks in the first round, but they don't have a lot of high value picks and they don't have a lot of cap space. So it's it's going to be up to Brandon Bean to be able to find, you know, ways to patch up this roster to make it better. But the core is going to stay the core. I, I think that's right. That's the one thing I don't like about the fans is that I don't know who they think they're going to like trade. Like everyone's like DeAndre Hopkins or all that. I was like, no dude, like if you want a wide receiver, they're going to trade for a run for like they, mm-hmm. they're not going to trade for like a top 10 guy. Like they're going to trade for some, you know, that kind of like a tier four receiver at best tier five. Like, Maybe OBJ resurfaces after he gets his knee figured nah, he, out. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, people think we're going to get, like, a tier one wide receiver or tier yeah. two. It's like, no, dude. Like, you got a point. The, the only thing, the only position I will say that I think significant assets, and I would be okay if they spent significant assets, uh, is the offensive line. Obviously, I think they need to add another weapon. They, they patch some stuff up defensively, but I feel like they could do that maybe with, like, the first-round pick and other stuff. I'm okay if they spend some money on the offensive line because Josh Allen, as you said, He's getting older. I know he's only 26, but my man in his first five years has taken an absolute beating. Look at Cam Newton. Yeah, I don't want him to become – and he also already he also already, you know, dinged up his arm significantly enough where I think it really impacted his play yeah. for one year, and I don't think you could allow that to happen again, especially especially if you're going to start losing guys because uh, of his cap hit, especially if you're going to start losing guys so your rest of your team's not going to be as good. You can't yeah. afford your best player to go down. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. It's definitely we got we got to reevaluate some things. Uh, I think I might honestly, I kind of want to hear what we were talking about going into this year. I might have to listen back to our draft episode from last year, our pre-draft episode, so oh, just geez. to see what we were talking about. Because I, I did we, I'm trying to think, did we talk heavy offensive line or were we all about? I think I was all about the cornerback. I think I was. I, I was we all about either. corner. I think we were all corner, maybe wide out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look how that turned out. So I mean, I we, mean like. I look at it from the perspective of last year's draft could potentially be pretty decent if the coaches develop guys, but at this point, I really don't have any faith that they're really they're going to do that because it's right. I mean it's been since eighteen that I felt like O line and when they one of the I mean Pro Bowl All Pro like they really haven't Wait, when we lost Eric Wood and Richie Incognito I mean that's that's true. I mean, Al- Alvar hasn't developed into that guy. The only person that's really, I mean, he's above average. Groot's above average. Like, there's no, like, there's no elite. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, I, I think the Bills need, like, yeah, it's all right. To, I think they need to get a couple starters in this draft, but it, it'd be really nice if they could get one, maybe two elite players. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how this stuff plays out for the next couple of weeks and, you know, just, where the bills end up and what they end up doing. Hopefully Brandon Bean, Micah Parsons, I know chirp back at him at uh, what he said and whatnot, but no, he agreed know. with him. He just thought it was, it was interesting. Oh, did he actually? I thought yeah, he chirped. He, kind of, a little, he chirped back on like the people that were roasting him because of Dak. Oh, I got you. I got you. I will say this though. There's he, players every round in the position of need that the, the bills like could do to get better. Like last year, Abe Lucas was available in like the third round for Seattle. He's a solid right tackle. Like he was a very good right tackle this year for Seattle. Like there's going to be dudes available in the first three rounds. The bills just had, the bills have to go three for three this draft. Like there's mm-hmm. just no, I mean, at least, I mean, at least two for three, but like I, they really ideally need to go three for three and get three good starters. Right. No, I, I 100% agree. And again, 
It's a long wait until that. It's a long wait till football season now. Or a, a lot, lot of pod to go over, people. Yeah, yeah. So you got plenty of episodes incoming regarding the the Bills and their decisions. But I just want to say one more thing before we move on to a more uplifting topic in the Buffalo State. Just out of pocket real quick. Fuck Eli Apple. That's all I got to say. That's, that's it. That's it. And before we move into the Buffalo Sabres topic, I just want to bring up the Sports Bring People Together podcast. You should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports. And who knows where the chats will take you, but sports got us all here together in the first place. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or simply visit sportseplus.com. And we are back here with the Buffalonian podcast. Obviously, we ended up. Uh... Maybe a little bit more cheerful, cheerful uh, Bills topic talk. Maybe, maybe not. You know, still probably a little. I think we dove back in a little. A little bit. salt in the wound, maybe. <laughs> but you know, we're still going out here. Now we're talking about the Sabres talk, and I, I gotta say, I was nearly right on my prediction. You were four and zero instead of three and one. What a week to be a Sabres fan. Yeah, I, you'd love to see these the points coming in, especially with where we're at in the standings. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I, I don't know. It, I'm excited. I get excited watching this team. I'm, I, it's just, you know, it's different than the bills. It's different than the bills, but we're Sabres people. Now the city of Buffalo <laughs> Sabres people. Now let's go. I think this is what we hope for at the beginning of the year to see improvement, to see that they're uh, in at least contention to be a wild card team. And I think right now we're in a better spot than what I expected us to be in. I mean, we're already at the end of January, and you see that we're only, what, three points out of a playoff spot with three games in hand over Washington. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's really good for the Sabres. We've been – I would say this year we have been a little streaky. We've had the uh, stretches where we played really good, and then there's those stretches where we played bad. But just be more consistent there. I don't see why this team couldn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they're they're currently eighth in uh point percentage or yeah point percentage I don't know if it's point it's point percentage I don't think it's point percentage called percentage but so technically at the play, at the playoffs ended right now they technically would be in the playoffs um from that perspective uh but obviously you have to get more points than the other team for a full eighty two um but no I I think anyone that would really predict this were was I don't know like I feel like betting like I mean. I would say I've always been really cautiously optimistic. Like I think I predicted 84 points in the beginning of the year, but like when I predicted 90 points and now it's kind of like, do I predict more than 90 points? Like it, it, it's a weird spot to be in because it's such a young team. And then every week it seems like it's a different dude. Like I know I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but like this is the second straight week that Olsen's of the team and goals, but like there's yeah. a bunch of other teams that people that have scored it's a fun team to watch, as Joe alluded to, and they're not like they're beating good teams right now, and they're playing well. And you know, all four games they played pretty well. I know the Dallas game was kind of a they kind of got fortunate to take the two points there, but I would say the other three team games they were easily the better team, especially the Islanders game. That would have been we almost got broken. Uh, that yeah. would have been really annoying. But I mean, you see the Islanders. Islanders, I think, are one seven and two in their last ten, so they're falling out. You just gotta wonder, like, I mean, I don't think it's gonna be the Penguins, but like the Caps, older team, like the thing that would concern me for a Sabres fan. I, I, see, I, I, I want to know what you guys think because part of me thinks with the stat of the Sabres have the hardest schedule, pretty much left in the NHL, like they're number one. Part of me goes, yeah. man, that's gonna be really, it's gonna be really fun, like stretch. But part of me also goes, this is the time for them to add reinforcements. 
Yeah, like I, I know I I've agree. been I've been anti so far. Oh, we, they should like I've been anti. They should buy. I I've been pretty much they should buy and sell. Now I'm kind of like I feel like they should keep Olsen and Milstead because they're playing well with Yost, and I think they should add on top of that. Yeah, am I am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I think especially now because. Um, if you don't remember, someone on the show said they were going to the cup this year. I think they sneak in and still make it. You know what I mean? Personally, I, I'd love to see it. But I think I think we do have to add on top of it, especially uh, how about some how about some defense or maybe go after a goaltender, you know, for the remainder of the season. Just something like that and uh, bank on Levi when he comes. But it's all but confirmed. He's you OK. Know. Well, Levi's not playing in the NHL for a few years, even if he signs like he'll be in Rochester. Yeah. So right. definitely goaltender. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree with the defense. I know there's been reports that were linked to Timo Meyer, and I don't really think that's necessary because I don't see why – where would he fit in the top six? Like, you're not breaking up the kids' line or the top line. I don't so. know. I think I do think it's interesting. I don't know. I've. It's always been interesting because it's always been kind of like you probably have – if you look at their cap, like Cousins is probably going to get seven and a half. Darlene's probably going to get some number, not next season because he's still under, but like the pre, pre, next season, he's going to get something like 10, 11. Yeah, 10, 11. Power, I will say this a Power, though, is that Power is like that RFA where he can't get offered by another team. So technically, the Sabres have like all the power against him. So I'm not saying they wouldn't want to sign him. To like no pun intended. Uh, thank you. That was, that was good. But that might be like, that number might come out lower. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, Interesting, and then also you have Paterka and Quinn, but both those guys have somewhat faded. I think we, we we've seen the last probably a month or so. Like Cousins has played pretty well. Um, I won't say without them, but like it's not like a Cousins problem with that line. In my opinion, it's more of like Quinn and Paterka have kind of struggled. Uh, I don't know if like they found him out, but like every time I feel like Paterka has a one-on-one move against someone right now, he's str- he's struggling to. You know, get in position to create a scoring chance, and while having possession of the puck, same thing kind of with Quinn. Right. So, I think it's I think it's interesting with Meyer. Like, I feel like if you add him, one, he's twenty seven, so he kind of fits the age range. You know, he's a little bit older than Tuck. Um, so it's not like you're adding. But, some well, he's also an RFA, and then you got to think, what do you have to give up to get him? Probably first round pick, probably some prospects. I mean, not See, saying we can't afford to get rid of these picks and prospects, but I think you need to. I'd rather get a defenseman than a forward. I'd rather use his assets to get a defenseman. I think that's where like the interesting conversation gets had of like all year we've been really pro Chikorin. Like I remember when we talked about him initially. That's been the move, but now like it's interesting from my perspective. Like from my perspective of like it's always been Chikorin because he's cost controlled, left shot demon, top four demon does like. A lot of things that you could change your lineup. If with. you, just to interrupt you here, if we were to get Chikrin, like, are you okay with having your top four defensemen all be left shot defensemen? That is, that's the only thing. Yeah, because because they can play the right, like Darlene's proven when he can play the right side. I think Chikrin's been playing the right side a little bit too. So it's not like, I don't know, I'm not one of those sticklers that gotta be like, we gotta be three and three. No, but I, I would agree with that. I think truthfully, he's definitely top top of the list if, if you were to do anything i think you have to because you've proven your offense is quote unquote the tnt uh halftime analysts always like to use the word elite um we have an elite offense it's just 
our defense is, you know, we get down to Bryson and Labushkin. It's like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we just have no depth. And when we hit, you know, it, Chikorin, how, Chicharin, whatever his name, however you pronounce it, I'm not positive. Uh, I think he would be a huge asset to the Sabres in the sense of just depth. Like, you know, having every line be solid out there, you know, at least most solid, you know? Yeah. I, I think what would concern me, the reason why I'm starting to become maybe slightly pro Meyer is because I think he's going to be cheaper to acquire because he's one, he's an RFA forward. So there might not be a lot of people that are in the market for, for those kind of guys like Chikram's cost controlled two years at like a, under $5 million. I want to say that makes him incredibly valuable uh, for that type of player to be under $5 million. Like, Meyer, his qualifying offer, I think, is 10 mil. Like, there's not a lot of teams that could pay that. Right. So then the pool of teams that are going to be bidding against you or not. And I think the Sabres easily, out of anyone, I mean, really, out of anyone, really, mostly in the entire NHL, like, they could outbid anyone. Now, I'm not saying they should, like, go, like, nuclear and do, like, two firsts and a legit prospect. Like, I'm not saying that. But, like, if you're talking about New Jersey, like, what is New Jersey's best offer that they're willing to give? Like, they're not going to probably trade Holtz, maybe. They're not going to trade Hughes. They're not going to trade Nemec. Like, I think the Sabres could be, I mean, like, Savoy, I think, could be available. Mm-hmm. I, probably, I wouldn't watch Jay Coolidge because I think he's been their best player from that jet. But, like, Oslin, Rosine, like, there's, like, three forwards that are, like, better than probably any prospect New Jersey has to offer. And then if, like, you protect your first-round pick, add maybe, like, a second-round pick slash B-tier prospect, like, that probably gets the job done. Right. So, and compared having... to Chikram, which is going to be first – roster player good prospect decent prospect like that's that's probably four parts where it's like a lot more yeah i don't know well i mean when you have the number one prospect pool in the nhl you have a lot to play with i mean truthfully you know also it's also from my perspective it's like you don't have enough spots for all these prospects so at one point you're gonna have to trade some of them why not trade some of them now you get a guy who's 27 elite offensively 30 goal scorer since he was age 23 has pretty good, you know, an average defender, so he's not going to kill you. Like, pretty good two-way game. Like, I think he's, like, the guy that comes into your top six, relieves the pressure off Quinn Paterka. And then he's another guy that if you sign – I mean, you probably, what, trade him, trade for him, you have a contract extension, even if it's, like, five years at $10 million. Like, I know that's a lot. But in retrospect, if you think the cap's going to jump off, you're going to get off Skinner's contract if you think you might be bridging Quinn and Paterka, even if you just bridge him and say two years, eight million, three years, eight million dollars, like again, like that's really not that price of a pay for a, an elite player. No, I, I would one hundred percent agree with you. Honestly, right now you need to be looking for ways to solidify that that defense, and I, I think that would be like you said, giving up some of those prospects. It's not the biggest deal in the sense of our team is hitting that hot spot right now they're running hot you know what i mean but they're they're very inconsistent but aside from that i mean i don't know it's definitely going to be intriguing to see what exactly they do if anything i hope they do something because i mean like we mentioned right away i i think they have to um just to elongate their season and play competitively throughout you know february march that was the that was the goal at the beginning of this the season. Remember, we talked about it just playing competitively in March and when it matters. 
not throwing Owen Power out there for eight games at the end of the season because we're not even close to a playoff spot. Like we're we're heading right for that where we want to be, and I'm I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, I just think like if they're gonna make us, the reason why I think Meyer is is more available, like easier of a target for the Sabers is you know everything I've said. Plus, you know he's an RFA, so they probably want to get rid of him at the the, the deadline. They don't want to wait for the summer because we saw, I think two summers ago, like the offers for RFA fours are really bad. Like Reinhardt got traded. I know, like it turned out really well of Coolidge and Levi, but he got traded for a goaltender that was taken in the seventh round the year before and at the twentieth overall pick. Like that's not that's really not a great haul for a dude that ended up putting 80, 80 points up. So I think the right. Sharks want to avoid that. Where the, the Coyotes can wait with Chicken. It's also I feel like the Sabers are going to keep Middlestad and Olsen, which I don't necessarily. I mean, listen, you've known all all year. I'm not the biggest supporter of those two, but. I mm-hmm. think that's the right decision for how well they're playing. While I, but I think though one of those like one of those two guys are probably gonna have to get moved out of the top nine for certain stuff. Yeah, and like that's like the move where I think you trade one of them for a defenseman, but that move has to come in the off season. So that's why I think the Chikrin one, if they were to make that move, wouldn't happen at the trade deadline. So then you wouldn't get reinforcements for this season. Like if they were making a this season move, it would be it would be the Ford. Yeah. Because no, like you I, think of you think of like the long term your forwards are fine, short term right now your forwards might cool off. That's why you add the forward. Like the defense is just gonna be. I mean, some of the bomb guys like Bryson hasn't played too bad ever since he got scratched. The Bushkin's been pretty okay. Yeah, the scratching kind of woke him up. I feel like a little mm-hmm. bit put him put his mind in perspective of okay, I got I actually I got to play. I got to do something out here other than turn the puck over. But turn the puck over and be buried and like to my. <laughs> Not yeah, yeah, he gets bodied around, bullied quite a bit. I will say that. Small, but, yeah, know? little dude, little dude. Who was it that got flipped over into the the boards the other day? Is that I'm trying to think? Like he got shoved and by the Blues. I don't know. I forget who it was. You know, I don't the, remember. The, mm, can't, mm-hmm. can't place. He got all, flipped all head first your, buddy, your buddy, your is playing pretty well for you know. Get a goal. Get a goal. Um. So. Taking off the trade rumors, uh, before we get into like all the prediction stuff, Owen Power finally did score. Two. Uh, it was a nice goal, game winner, and then he has scored another nice goal. So, I mean, potentially, uh, what two goal streak for Owen? Big guy. Yeah. I remember, I remember we were Joe. We were there the last time he played. Uh, when he played St. Louis, not last time because they played earlier in the year, but no, we were there the last time we, at home. We were St. last Louis. season when he played St. Louis and he got worked by Tarasenko on a play. That was tough. Yeah. But speaking of a, like the Blues, I guess the Sabres, Ryan Miller, just want to quickly, that did you guys catch that ceremony? I did. And mm-hmm. let's just say the Sabres, if they figured out one thing, it's how to memorialize old players. Um, that was that was a great ceremony. Um, it, they did everything right. I mean, having even seeing uh, Hashik on the, on the, the board, is really cool. Um, the walk to the center of the ice was a little long. I will say that's the only thing I said was uh, <laughs> the it took a while. The music had to repeat a couple times. You heard, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, they they took a little bit, but um, no, having all the old guys there, along with Adams, Terry Pagula, um, and his coaches, his old coaches, like that was that was the right way to do it. RJ talking to that was really cool. He's still around and he's. Uh, Sharp as he can be at his old age, you know. So it's it's really cool. I think they did a good job. I mean, 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool to watch for sure. But a lot of people say they remember him for the red jerseys, which of course, but like us, it's always the, the slug, the buff of slug. I feel like, you know? Yeah. But Mike, what'd you think about the ceremony? No, I thought it was really good. I'd like seeing all those old players. And I know Dom was texting me. Uh, we were talking during it and it was like, really, like I said, it was how nostalgic it was to see all those guys. Cause like, this is the first player that his numbers retired where I actually like watched him play. Right. And like, remember him playing. So like seeing all those guys that he played with, like that's the team I grew up watching. Like the team, when I think of the Sabres, like that's the team I think of. Yeah. So it was really really cool to see all those guys. Yeah. It was, it was definitely unique. Obviously, you know, poor Tim Conley never could, you know, be in good health had a, everyone was roasting him for having crutches uh, for some kind of (laughs) injury, but no, it's definitely cool. I definitely, I don't know why, but it, it was definitely funny. They kept showing uh, like the Winter Classic mm-hmm. with the hat on and everything. Um, the Winter Classic in the uh, USA. Like, I, I honestly, I gotta be honest, I did not know he was the MVP of the Olympics. I completely forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Um, it was kind of cool He's seeing insane. like talking to other people like around the arena. It was kind of cool when they were talking about how like how prideful they were that like the best American player at that Olympics was our guy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever, I don't like we're truly ever experienced that again. I know Tage, um, you know, if, you know, if he Gary continues, Bettman, Gary Bettman decides to stop being so anti-Olympics. Guys, say guys, no one tanks. No one tanks. I do say, I do before we, I, I I'm going to ha- like have a moment of ADD, but I'm, I'm going to briefly, as you said about no one tanks, I will be excited that they return to uh, Buffalo for the winter classic. I, you know, it's probably coming up soon. You know, he talked about when they get the new stadium. So I think people were suggesting maybe like the 20th anniversary of the game. I think that would be a cool touch, but no, it was, all, it, it was weird. I, it was weird with the winter classic in the USA. Cause it's like, yeah, they lost that winter classic in a shootout. And then obviously, unfortunately he gives up like the golden goal. Um, Both to Crosby. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was, but, you know, I don't know who he hates more, Cindy Crosby or Milan Lucic. I think everyone was a little disappointed he didn't say like some random like F Lucic comment. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean he was he was just that guy back in the day. I think he was like everyone's pretty much everyone's everyone knew who he was. I have a bobblehead of him in my room from one of the games with the slug jersey on. First ever athletic jersey was a Ryan Miller jersey, so number thirty. So and yeah. also him winning the Vesna having a dominant season he did. Kind of staying, and then you know, it 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 was definitely it was definitely a nostalgic moment. You know, with Vanek, he was like my favorite player growing up. So mm-hmm. cool. yeah, you see him whispering to Craig Anderson after he dropped the some puck guy, the second night. Some guy called Poundville was there. I don't. Some dude. Yeah, yeah. No, I do wonder though. Like he was, he's the first guy that's got like his number retired and has been inducted in the Sabres Hall of Fame. I do wonder. I'm not saying like Vanek or Poundville will ever get their. They won't get their numbers retired. Mm-hmm. I do wonder when those guys get inducted and like this, like the Hall of if Fame. You, if you had to guess, like how many more players from that era get, like I mean, Vanek, Palmville, I think is that it. That's yeah, um, that's all I mean. I could see like a Briere, yeah. I could see that. I forget that they really were on the team for that maybe long. Derek Roy. He was pretty good for a little stretch there. Yeah, Derek Roy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I mean, those, that team was so much fun. It was. It was. Lindy. I think, 
I hope we're heading back towards. Oh that. no! You know what? No, Lindy deserves. Lindy, honestly, like I don't know how you retire some like a coach. Like you know how like the other thing for RJ. I really truly believe that Lindy. Well, there's things for the Knoxes up in the rafters too. Yeah, Lindy should get retired. I don't know, like it's. I mean, it's kind of awkward because he played for the team, but like not his number, but like there should be something that goes like LR, and then how many wins he had with the team. I, I do truly believe once he's done coaching. I mean, if he's oh, ever yeah. done coaching with the way he's coaching with the Devils, but. I'm glad he's doing good with the Devils. Love Lindy. Lindy is the man, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lindy is the man. All right. You think so. he told Craig Anderson to retire when he like went up for that little little handshake hug thing? He was like, "It's time." Like <laughs> he's like, "You're you're you're older than last, I." I can't. I, I'm gonna like book this. Ryan Miller was still playing last year, wasn't he? Or was it the year before he retired? He retired in 21. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's, uh, 2021. So it was, honestly, it was pretty quick for them to retire his number and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, you had to do it quick, you know. Well, I mean, you I just look at the Rangers. Like, they did it quick with Longquist. That's true. I just look at the Knicks are pretty quick with the Sedins. No, Bobby Lou true. in Florida. I guess more proactive than it has been because, like, I remember Hashik obviously got traded no two, but like when he retired, I actually I don't know. Did he retire? Didn't he? Didn't he retired he, he stopped, in like two thousand. He, eight, he eight? stopped playing. Yeah, he stopped playing in 08, but I don't think he retired until like 10 or 11. like I think he kept think about playing. Yager. You gotta think maybe 68 goes up in the Raptors like Pittsburgh, but he's still playing in check. So that's what I'm saying. I think Hashik was a little bit like he was playing overseas or whatever, if I remember. But like even that, like he just got Plus he's like a politician too. So that's true, I guess. And also like the way he left Buffalo, but even Miller, like I mean, I think people people do like he kind of left Buffalo a little bit on a sour taste too, but. Mm-hmm. Just a tad, but he's welcome back anytime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all those guys got chewed for. Like Vanek left, Matt Molson. Always remember that. Traded twenty six for twenty six, then gave five by. F- I, I still can't believe they traded for Matt Molson, traded him away, signed him to like the world's awful contract, and then what? And then Palmville? loaned him to the Ontario Reign. I'm trying to remember Palmville. I I like remember who I I can remember. Like Larson was traded for Palmville. Wasn't that Nate Hackett? Well, you know, Not, what was that goaltender oh, name? Oh, the first one. Yeah, it was Matt Hackett. Matt Hackett. Matt Hackett. Uh, Nate Hackett. A, I, I knew yeah, Nate Hackett. Nathaniel was, Hackett is an offensive coordinator uh, for the Jets now. I knew we got him back by training Felino. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And skin. We got Skindella. That was mm-hmm. an interesting trade. Ennis. Is oh, it another, uh, another another blast from the past? Yeah. Jeez. And Tyler Ennis is our best player and put up twenty goals. Oh God. Remember when Tyler Myers was actually good and won the color? Yeah, because he was paired with Henrik Talinder, and then we got rid of Talinder, and he sucked. Hey, Henrik Talinder, man. Henrik Talinder was good. Is it prediction time? Those guys. Brian, Brian Campbell. Campbell was good. Tony Lumen was good. Tumlin? Newman was good. Too bad Brian Campbell will only be remembered for one play and one play only. The hit on the Edger Empire. Mm-hmm. RJ well, Empire. No. Did you say Empire? I did say Umberger. <laughs> RJ Empire. <laughs> that hit or well, it's the greatest hit in hockey history. If we're in a positive sense, it's that hit. If we're in like a real negative one, it's puck over the glass in game seven. But okay, you know what? He was the only one out of I'm all our saying, defensemen to stay saying. healthy the entire playoff run. So I'm I'm just saying. That team would have won a Stanley Cup with if none of their defensemen got hurt. Guarantee it. I, I still think it's bizarre now that people can, like, I guess it's kind of accurate, I guess, but, like, people compare, like, these Bills teams to those Sabres teams. I find that to be kind of bizarre. I yeah. guess, I guess, 
Oh, five, oh, six, I would disagree. Of six, seven, I guess is accurate because they won the President's Trophy and then they fell behind 3 0 in that conference finals and lost in five to Ottawa. Like they got crushed. Ottawa was better than us, but we would have won the cup in 06. Easy. Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. Easy. 100. Yeah. Easily won the saddest moments in Sabres history. Um, all right. So, wow, that was the got real depressing turn. Okay. Um, so, talking from our predictions from last week, no hey. one hit on anyone. <laughs> uh, Thompson led the team with four points. I'm sorry, seven. He had seven points. I don't know why I wrote four. Uh, oh, you know what? Because Olsen had four points last week. I just was too lazy to change it. Olsen actually led the team in goals again with three. There was a couple other people with two. Op had two. Cousins had two. Uh, Krebs had two. So it was a, it was a it was a, it was a solid scoring week. Um. So, Mike, I'll let you start. Who who were your predictions for this coming week? Um, I think Jeff's going to go on a hot streak scoring. I think he's going to get his scoring touch back. And I think Cousins is going to lead the team points. I think he's going to get some some juice flowing for Paterka and Quinn. Honestly, Joseph. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Right? I think this guy's really started it off. I think he's hot. Yeah, I think he sparked something. I'm going power and power. I think he's going to oh, load it oh, up. Man. I think he's going crazy. I it's it's a far far off prediction, but I'm going with it. Power and power. I'm gonna go Tuck and Darlene. Yeah, solid. I still can't believe Rasmus Dahlin is not an all-star. I, I can't either. Well, it's flawed because it has to have one person from every team. This, this is why, like the NHL, does so many dumb things. It's like it's getting only... it's like getting a participation trophy as a kid. Everyone yeah. has to have an all-star representative. Really? No. There's not Pro that's Bowl representatives. Columbus really deserve an all. Well, okay, Johnny Gaudreau actually could deserve an all-star. But like some of these teams, that's the Flyers really deserve an All Star. Listen, that's the one good thing the Pro Bowl does is that they don't mandate like there's no quota for every team. Does Detroit really? There's no defenseman in the Atlantic. Like why? That doesn't make any sense to me. They're telling me like Charlie McAvoy too. He's having a good year. He doesn't make it. Like no, it's flawed. Nah, it, it's it, it is whatever. Flawed. It's whatever, that. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's that the lack of Olympics. Mm-hmm. <sighs> how many uh how many games do we have from so, now until next pod i assume so we have a game tonight actually so well you guys are gonna be hearing this probably a little bit late so i'm gonna hear it tomorrow so here tomorrow <laughs> tips, uh, or I, no maybe maybe i'll get it i'll i might play stuff in an hour so we'll probably probably not but mm-hmm. saturday they play in minnesota and then they return home uh against carolina on wednesday so that game um we probably do a pop for that game, I would assume. So we probably only have two games, and then actually the the All Star break happens after that game. So I think they go two and zero. Oh. Sorry, I just jumped right in. Yeah, right right in. I think they I'll win. say one and one. I'm gonna say one zero oh and one. Still getting points. I like that. I, I think I think, I think they're gonna lose in overtime today because I think they're gonna get halibucked for a second straight time in like a couple weeks. Probably. And, and then they 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 played pretty well against Minnesota last time, so. Hey, you never know. I mean, it could go anyway. I'm hoping it goes the Sabres way. I'd love to see a two and zero, just getting closer and closer to that wild card spot, like further solidifying. You know, so I don't know. But I is that is that it for the Sabres, fellas? Anything else you want to chime in on, or is it Would You Rather time? It is the Would You Rather. It is, and it's my time for Would You Rather. So let me time. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. 
So this is we're gonna we're gonna talk here NFL playoffs. You know, last year, thirteen seconds happened, right? Last year, let's actually specific example here. Think back to that Titans game, okay, from last year where Allen slipped and they 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 lost the game because they didn't just kick a field goal and go into overtime, right? All right. Would you rather ensure overtime, right? Reestablish, reevaluate, go into overtime, or risk the loss but win in regulation? So you're telling me, do I want to be John Harbaugh then? Pretty much. I don't want to be John Harbaugh. Like, would you? Would you want if it's like let's let's do a different scenario? You're not on the goal line. You're not on the goal line. Okay, so it wouldn't be like you have a two point conversion or you kick the PAT to go to overtime. No, not doing no. That one. You're talking. I'm talking touchdown or field goal to tie it to go to overtime. Kind of where the Chiefs were in 13 seconds last year. I'll go for the field goal. Or do I'm, you I'm just like, ice the game? I'm like, I'm like, is this a playoff game or a regular season game? Play. We'll say playoff. Oh, definitely overtime. I'm a little bit confused. Like, where am I then? Like, if you're saying touchdown or field goal, you're like goal line. Like, why would like, I? 27 yard line, third and 10. You can kick it or you can try one more. You know what I mean? Like, definitely, no, definitely field goal because overtime playoffs, you get, but you've got like five seconds left. You got one. No, at that point, the field goal. No, I'm not doing well. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'd take the shot in the end zone. I feel like, okay. I feel like, uh, am I allowed to like, yeah, whatever. Tweak it, whatever you want to do. Instead of saying you're at the 27, you should say it's a goal to goal. You're at at the three yard line. Okay. Say Say it's whatever. Fourth and goal at the three, you could either create the field goal or you go for for the win. I truly do believe that it doesn't matter somewhat situationally. Like, if I was playing Skylar Thompson, I would kick the field goal because I would mm-hmm. be pretty confident I could get a stop and win the game. But if I was playing another elite quarterback, I would probably go for it um, because I got Josh Allen, and if I can't get three yards, I kind of don't deserve to win the football game at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it would it would it would, ma- it would matter like my opponent per se, and like if I felt right. confident, especially okay, I would go for it a hundred percent if I was on the road though. If I was on the road, I got nothing to lose. Like you're an arrowhead, and you're you've got Josh. Yeah, if I was on the road, I would go for it. I mean, obviously, if I'm playing against a bad quarterback, I feel like I could stop. No, but like definitely a hundred percent on the road. If I'm at home, I'll question it, and also like momentum of the game. If I feel like I'm playing really well, I probably just want to go to overtime. But if I feel like, man, I was up, I don't know, like 11, and all of a sudden I'm down three, like I probably would go for the touchdown because I wouldn't trust my team to play better in the next couple minutes if I could get one play for three yards. Yeah, I'm sticking uh, with the overtime take. I don't know. What, what about you, Joe? Me? I'd go for it. I, 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 I'd open I mean, the You are the guy that onside kicks in man all the time. And yeah, so I, so I would go for it. I would go for it. I would go for the win right then and there. I, I wouldn't. If what you would lose, be your What would be your play? Um, quick slants, probably. Yeah, you know, just something, or maybe even a, a screen. You know, like a elusive screen. You know, something like that, where you're you wait around for a few seconds, run the clock down, and go for it. Kind of how Josh did. Like he just ran it to the side and then do something. But I wouldn't draw that up. That'd be. On the field, of course, but yeah, I'd go for it 100% quick slants. Yeah, I think I would just have my running back in the backfield and spray everyone out. And if not they bad. blitz, I jump off. If I, if I blitz, I have my running back dump off. If not, or do you fake it? Or do you go for a fake PAT? You line up and you, and you no, go for a fake no. PAT. <laughs> That's dumb. I've never, it's, it's like the, that play when the Bucks Bills last year when they did the fake punt. 
Oh and my god. Cast- I was like, at that point, if you're gonna do it or do a fake punt fourth and two, just have Josh out there. Like, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Have Josh Allen hold the ball and then do a fake PAT. Then you might have a better shot. But Mike, you're 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 lining up for the PAT or the field goal. Oh yeah, I'm taking the field goal. I'm going overtime. All right, all right. Well, I think you're that... guaranteed a possession in overtime in playoffs. So now you are in playoffs. You're right. Exactly. Didn't get to see that at all this year. But... Why? Still, time. Well, I mean, you still good. We got three still games good? left. Is that in the Super Bowl? Yeah, playoffs. Yeah. The Super Bowl is in the playoffs. Yeah, there's playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So Atlanta Mike... wishes that they uh, could have had that rule. <laughs> oh. Oh, please. Okay, for the one team in history that does not deserve to like go back on that role is the Falcons. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they blew that bad. It's All trivia right. time, though. Mike, take yeah. it away. So we'll do some positive Bills playoff um, question. Um, when they won their championships in the AFL in 64 and 65, uh, do you know what team they beat? It's the same team both years. Cleveland. Would that be that? It... I'm saying Cleveland. I see no. It might be the Chargers. No, I'm gonna say Cleveland. It's good. Um, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Dom's off answer. I'll go with Chargers. We'll see how that plays out. That was a good choice. It is the off answer Chargers. Oh my God, Joe! <laughs> what a piggyback on my end. Ah. Uh. Where were are they? Were they in San Diego in the sixties? They split. One was home, one was away. Were they? Were they called San Diego back then? Yeah, they've always been San Diego. Yeah, until the L.A. I wanted know if the it money was like, grab. I don't know if it was like they were like you know how like the California Seals. I don't know if they were like the California Chargers. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't no. know. I, I, so I thought that my nineteen sixties AFL AFC. Not. No, so you gotta um, just remember what teams were in the AFL. That's wait, weren't they, the Cleveland Browns? Weren't they? Weren't they in the NFL? Were they? I, I, I that's that's they why there. I was confused. I just didn't know. I didn't know what team was because I know it was like the Bills, Chargers, Raiders, oh, you might be right. Chiefs, that's... Jets, Dolphins, 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 Patriots. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Second question, Sabres. Uh, who is the most playoff games played in their Sabres history? That was worded really poorly. Sorry. With player? Yeah. Player, skater. Uh, oh, um, Gilbert Perot. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah, no, it is Jill. <laughs> it's 90. Because remember, wow. we, we talked about this last time. Like, they're in the 70s and 80s. They were a consistent playoff team. Just recently, where they just is that the don't same regardless if you put goaltender? Um, I'd have to look at goaltender, but probably not. I mean, Hashik would probably be close because they made the playoffs like every year when he was the goalie. Yeah, so this yeah, the, no, it's, the, it's Perot though. The AFL teams in '65 were Buffalo, New York Jets, Boston Patriots, Houston Oilers in the East, West, San Diego Chargers, Oakland Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos. Hmm. He has one more game played than Craig Ramsey. Ah, tough. <laughs> so, if it's you're really interested, that and then that was an point. um, I'm sure you you know this one, but like I just thought it was a fun one to have. Uh, who was the first quarterback in Carolina Panthers history? Oh, dude, you know what? Did you just say you thought we would know this one? No, yeah. I think I do. I think I do. I think I do know who it is. 
because I remember seeing an ESPN um like highlight reel about this. I think I'm right on this. Was it Frank Wright? It is Frank Wright. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the only reason why I saw that is because he was hired by them. So yeah. When, when oh was god. it? What was their first year? Was it 1995. Because I remember seeing their like, first touchdown pass. Yeah. I just remember he played like crap when they played the Bills. Yeah. yeah Frank Wright was a backup quarterback, so he had one good game. One amazing game. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. That's all that matters. That's his career right there. That's what hey, anyone listen, talks man. about. Listen, man, listen, we're, we have to be positive and talk about that or talk about how he was on the other side of the Leon Lett fumble. Yeah. Did you see Leon Lett just got fired by Dallas? Leon Lett was a employee for the Dallas Cowboys. He was an assistant defensive line coach. Oh, oh man. No. Then Dan Quinn staying. He, he wants to win a Super Bowl in Dallas. No, That's or he what just he said. promise the job if he gets a- if uh, McCarthy gets axed. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. I would I would assume that's probably it over anything. But without further ado, that's going to finish it off for this episode of the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I was joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. And Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby! Go, Bills. go Sabers!